1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: It is Thursday or Wednesday, October. Definitely not Thursday. Good morning to me. Welcome into Daily Daily Faceoff Live, presented by Botano. I'm Tyler Uremchuk, and he is our guy from Philadelphia. And I suspect he had a pretty good time at the Phillies game last night. Hashtag ring the
3: bell, right, Frank? Electric. It was awesome to be uh, in the building. Uh, just the energy there is something I can't really explain. And can't wait to see uh, the Phils pull off the sweep tonight. I'm feeling like that's gonna happen. I know I said no yesterday, but uh the Jays can't really say the same for them. Might be a sweep, just not in their favor.
0: Ah, come on. You gotta believe Frank. But yes, it was not a great baseball day for me personally yesterday, but playoff baseball is the best. And it also means that hockey is right around the corner. And that means it should, it should continuing... mean, by the way, that
3: Seabass starts game two for the Jays. Don't know why he isn't.
0: I don't, don't get me rolling. If people want to hear my thoughts on that, they can download my baseball podcast. But uh, let's, let's throw our topic board up. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up and dig into things. Um, Let's stay, well, somewhat close to the Toronto area, I suppose, and talk a little bit about the Buffalo Sabres. Frank, it feels like now it's been two or three years where a lot of people have looked at the Sabres team and been like, oh, they're ready to take a step forward. And it, it just hasn't quite materialized for them yet. They had an offseason that wasn't incredibly busy. They shored up their blue line a little bit with Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson, but the forward group is the same. And they're running with a young Devin Levi as a big part of their goaltending duo. That's where I want to start with you. Is that a bit too much of a gamble or are you a believer in Devin Levi?
3: Big believer in Devin Levi. I think he's right there on the cusp of becoming a star goalie in this league. Look, um, it's a huge jump from college to the nhl and almost every goalie even the most pedigreed goalies take a step in between in the ahl whether it's carrie price or whoever it might be they've almost all got some kind of ahl experience and that's okay that devin levi is bypassing that step i think he's got the mental acuity to make it happen i think he's got all the skill in the world and I think when you consider the other options that the Sabres had in front of them, whether it's UPL and uh, Uko Pekalukunen or Eric Comrie, I feel like Levi is already a level above those guys. So when you consider that, and I love the mantra that the Sabres have put into place, they're not, under Kevin Adams, going to acquire anyone that's going to get in the way of their young players. And now some might say hey, but this is a year you actually can't talk about making the step but need to make the step. They've followed that path last year and look at the huge momentum that they gained. They only missed the playoffs by two points last year, and I think this Sabres team is a playoff team this year.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. When I look at the Eastern Conference, I think there's going to be more points on the board with a team like Boston – probably not going to be a 135 point team again. I think the door is clearly open for a Sabres team that, I mean, really they just missed last year as well, which is crazy. I know a lot of people were caught up down the stretch in the Florida versus Pittsburgh race, but it's kind of easy to forget that Buffalo is right there. They were a 91 point team last year. This isn't an 80 point club who needs some miraculous 18 point jump this season to get back into the playoff picture. Like, they just have to be a little bit better. And I think they can. Wanted to pick your brain on Tage Thompson as well, Frank. Do you think they can get 45 plus goals out of him again? Because that is also a massive reason why the massive centerman was a massive reason why they were able to get to 91 points, like 47 goals. He got seven of those in a three game span when he had that crazy run with the five goal game and all that. Is he a legit 40 goal guy or should they, or could we maybe see a step back this year?
3: No, I think he's a legit 40-goal guy, and in fact, I think he takes a step forward this year and and gets to that 50-goal plateau for the first time. I know consistency is a factor in any player scoring 50 goals, and I think there were maybe a couple stretches last year because he did score so many goals in bunches that maybe left you wanting a little bit more. But to go from 38 to 47, I think the next step is in the 52 or 53 range, and I see it happening for Tage Thompson. I wasn't necessarily a believer. I was thinking before, hey, that that unbelievable breakout year that he had, 78 games, 38 goals two years ago, and then getting that massive contract extension, I was like, oof. I don't know if that bet is one that makes sense for the Sabres. Boy, was I absolutely wrong about that. Seven years, 50 million is an absolute bargoon for Tage Thompson with where his game is at. Not every development path is linear and for Tage Thompson there's been fits and starts but at the age of 24 now 25 he's arrived at the NHL in a big way and he's a legitimate star bordering on superstar
0: yeah his development path was far from linear but I and I think what we maybe forget about Thompson a little bit is like only 24 25 right now like this is not some random 29 year old who popped off for two good seasons like he still has a lot of really good hockey in front of him We'll see if he before, can the Before we
3: move on from the Sabres, I just want to say quickly, too, love that Kyle Ocpozo is back. And you heard Kyle Ocpozo talk about Zem- Zemgis Gergensen and what he means. Um, there's a chemistry. There's something going on with this Buffalo team uh, that has – they've really come together uh, specifically under Don Granato as well that um, I think you really get a sense these guys like each other and want to play for each other that I think means something.
0: Also, we didn't touch on their blue line. Maybe a Norris season coming soon for Rasmus Dahlin, a step forward for Owen Power. There's so much to be excited about.
3: There used to be the Twin Towers in Manhattan. Now you've got Twin Towers in Western New York with Dahlin and Owen Power.
0: Now the sports scene in Buffalo is uh, is certainly turning around here. Uh, let's stay in the state, Frank, for our next bit of season previews and talk a little bit about the Rangers and Islanders as well. We're going to be staying in division. James Nichols is going to pop by in a bit to talk about the New Jersey Devils, but... The New York Rangers are a really interesting team right now when you kind of look at them on paper. They lost, they had a g- great regular season again last year, but they were bounced in the first round by the New Jersey Devils. They end up firing Gerard Gland going with Pierre LaViolette. And in terms of the roster, there are some changes. I mean, they lost Patrick Kane, who they picked up at the deadline, lost a couple of other pieces in there as well. And you look at who they added. I like the wheeler ad as sort of a low cost addition but they didn't really make any other impactful moves. Is this Rangers team still capable of being close to 100 points in the regular season? And perhaps more importantly, do you think this Rangers team is capable of going on a long playoff run?
3: Are they capable? Yes. Um, Are they better than they were last year? I think the answer to that right now is no, but also may be dependent on finally for once and for all, getting some consistent contribution from some of their younger guys. Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco. I think we kind of know what Filipino is now, and that's a good thing. Um, but this team is formidable. I think they've got a really strong back end. Um, they've clearly got the goalie. I think my big thing is consistency. And I, I think Peter Laviolette has done a pretty good job of getting that out of the teams that he's coached in the past. Um but they've got some work to do. And, you know, I meant to mention, by the way, in the Sabres segment that keep an eye on the Sabres and Patrick Kane. I think that would be a fantastic fit. And there's no doubt that the Sabres are interested in trying to bring him home. Uh, but he's going to have a list of teams that are excited to try and add him uh, once the season starts, if they can wedge him into their cap. So uh, Kane is is certainly former Ranger, um, going to be – Uh, highly sought after but when it comes to uh, this team losing Tarasenko losing Kane it's hard for me to argue right now that they're better and I've seen a lot of people sort of predict project prognosticate that the Rangers are going to be the third place finisher in the Metro and that's kind of where I have them slotted I think they're a good team but I'm not sold that they're a great team
0: Well, thank you for ruining our hashtag ask DFO inbox question, Frank. It was about Patrick Kane and Jeremiah asked the question in in the chat quickly on the New York Islanders. I think this is a team that's ripe for a setback, if we're being honest. Um, Oh, I think you might have lost my video feed there. Sorry about that. But anyways, Frank, just quickly on the Islanders, they really didn't do anything this offseason. Are they a team that's going to take a step back?
3: Uh, I I don't know about a step back. I think the fact that you have Sorokin and Net is always going to keep you competitive. I think they're going to be a team that's in the hunt for the playoffs, but ultimately falls short and still have significant significant question marks on my end about their ability to score. Um, you see Bo Horvat come over. He signs the massive extension, which is just sort of further highlights or. Uh, displays the cap issues that this Islander team has moving forward. They're locked into so many different guys uh, for long periods of time. Clearly, Lou Morello is a believer in this team. Uh, I think the thing is, for me, I'm not. They've taken a step back, it feels like, year after year. And um, if you can't score, it's great that you can defend. It's great that you can keep pucks out of your own net. But in today's NHL, with the scoring where it is, You're going to need to do better than that. And so um, I just, I'm not a believer in what the Islanders are selling. I'm not buying it.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's totally fair. I'm in the same boat as you. I think Ilya Sorokin can really only drag you so far, Frank. And I'm was a little bit disappointed that they didn't go try to add a little bit more over the off season it's kind of just the same old, same old in New York, but you definitely can't say that about the Calgary Flames. It feels like a breath of fresh air has been pushed into this Flames organization after the coaching change, changes in management as well. And you were out in Calgary last week and got a chance to catch up with a handful of people in the organization. It's all a part of a new episode of Frankly Speaking, which is dropping today today. One of the players you got to talk to was Jonathan Huberto, and he had a handful of very interesting answers, Frank, but I wanted to play one clip from your interview where he talked about just what went wrong last season. Let's roll it.
3: Expectations on the team, but also on you. New place for the first time in your career. Big new contract that didn't even kick in yet. Now starts now. Um, Was any of that overwhelming at all?
0: No, I mean, there was a lot of things that, that, you know, came in, was a factor, but, I mean, I just wasn't, you know, I didn't have fun last year, so I think that's when I, first time in my career, I kind of lost, like, you know, the the passion a little bit to come to the ring and stuff like that, and the way I was playing on the ice, it was, (laughs) it wasn't me, and, you know, it kind of frustrated me, and after that, you know, I wasn't myself in the room, too, with the guys, and I know I'm a... You know, I can be a funny guy and be, be good to, to be around the guys. And I think this year, you know, I'm more myself. And I try just to learn from last year and not, not to put that away, but just learn from it and come back this year and be be, be me, be a leader in this in this room. And I at mean, my age, I can be a leader and and do what what I do best. I mean, that is quite the line that last year was the first time he didn't enjoy coming to a rink, Frank. Now that Ryan Husk is in charge, are we going to see a new Jonathan Huberto in Calgary?
3: Yeah, I think this is the time that Jonathan Huberto actually properly introduces himself to Calgary. I think you look at all that unfolded last year. The all-star left winger, guy that scores the most points in a single season by a left winger in NHL history, plays 55 games on the right side. Yeah, exactly. Makes your head explode. No sense. And then you also get to late in games. You have a $10 million player. You need to not just win a face-off, which you're not going to task him to do, but be out there for the draw to make magic happen. He's not there last two minutes of the game. I I don't know what Daryl Sutter was thinking. The pushback from that that I've gotten, including from, um, from Rhett Warner on Barnburner was, well, these guys need to fight through that. I don't, I don't know that that's the answer. Uh, You need to put players in a position to succeed. And that wasn't happening last year. And it was quite obvious to everyone that, No one enjoyed playing for Daryl Sutter. Here's my big question for the Calgary Flames is all of these positive vibes, smiling, the good feel in training camp, the positivity from Michael Backlund extending and becoming captain, and the fresh approach from Ryan Huska and now Craig Conroy as their new GM. All of that's great, but does that actually mean anything? Does that translate to success and wins? Here's the thing. They don't really need a whole lot more. They only missed the playoffs by two points last year, despite basically everything that could go wrong actually going wrong. So I think they're a much improved team. I do think that coming back to the rink this year with a clean slate, starting over with everyone there, I think that's just going to snowball in a positive way for Calgary, a team that a lot of people saw as a really good team last year. But when you have – 17 overtime losses, and you have an 893 save percentage from your goalie, and you have all these problematic features of your game, you only need a couple of those things to turn around to pick up an extra three points.
4: Hey,
0: it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today.
0: I'm very excited to see what some young players there can do as well. Matt Coronado, Stephen Ellis talked about him yesterday. Also, Jacob Peltier is another name who I think is uh, going to enjoy having a different guy standing behind the bench in Also Calgary. a different
3: number too for Peltier, so.
0: There you go. Uh, let's continue along. Hey, Speaking of culture change, Frank, look at what the Nashville Predators did this summer. They went and bought out their leading scorer in Matt Duchesne. They went and sent away Ryan Johansson, and these two guys are going to take up $6.55 million in dead cap space for Nashville, and they'll play somewhere else. Next year, that number goes up to 9.55. It, it was, I think some would call it a necessary change for the Nashville Predators, uh, Predators after just kind of sputtering along for a few seasons, but I want to talk more about these two players individually. They're both going to fantastic spots for Johansson. He won't have the pressure of having to be a top six or top line centerman or anything like that. He'll get to go be a support piece and a very good offense for Deshane. He's going to an organization that, Hey, last year it was the Renaissance. Maybe this year is the, D- Dushane or something crazy. I don't know. But when you look at these two players, I know that made no sense. I'm sorry. Uh, when you look bad. at those two players, though, <laughs> which one do you think is more primed for a bounce
3: back this year? I think it's Dushane. And and I say that knowing the comfort with which Ryan Johansson goes to in Colorado. Um, their GM, Chris McFarland had Johansson in Columbus. So they know each other. They know what he brings. And I do think the pressure being off will help him. Um, I just think Duchesne has a higher level that he can get to than Johansson at this point. And my big question for Johansson has always been work ethic. Um, Will last season and the way that it ended and the unceremonious exit, will that jolt him into being the player that Colorado needs him to be as a support piece? I'm much more convinced that that can happen with Duchesne. a big wake up call And I think the culture aspect that you hit on with the Preds is a big deal because they've essentially made the same argument that the Minnesota Wild did a couple years back when they bought out um, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. They're still dealing with the cap consequences of that, but they said our team is better without those guys in our room than with them, a necessary change that they felt like they had to make. Does that mean the Preds will be better this year? I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. I like the culture edition of Ryan O'Reilly. I don't think his game is quite up to the level that it was a few years ago, but he also gets a clean slate and a fresh start in Nashville. Uh, Adding uh, Luke Shen, a full season now of Tyson Barry. Um, The Preds are looking a bit different, but my money is on Duchesne in Dallas uh, to be – Uh, a guy that helps put this team over the top. There's a reason why they're my Stanley Cup pick this year for a team that didn't make very many changes. um, They got to the conference final. They've been a beast in the playoffs. And to take someone like Duchesne and slot him a bit further down your lineup with really kind of no risk, I think was a stroke of genius by Jim Nill.
0: Yeah, I, I love that Deshane fit in Dallas. It's a fantasy hockey season right now, and he's a guy who I kind of have a circle is. I mean, when you think what he was, he's only a year removed from a 43 goal season, Frank. Like, there's still something in the tank here for a guy like Matt Deshane, and we'll also see. Should what be highly motivated,
3: both of these guys.
0: Yeah, should be. Yeah, no doubt about that. We talked about Jonathan Druin in Colorado as well. Those are two guys, Johansson and Drew, who definitely have a lot to prove this season speaking of proven things how about what went down in new jersey last season a massive step forward for the devils but can they take another leap and become a cup contender frank let's dig into it with our pal james nichols the all 32 is brought to you by batano the game starts now at batano.ca whether you're looking for some hockey futures or like frank and myself you're dialed in to the MLB postseason. patano has got it all. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. James Nichols is our guest. He is from New Jersey Hockey. Now, James, as always, appreciate your time here on the show. Let's dig into this Devils team because they're fascinating. Last year, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes take these big steps forward. The Devils end up going to the second round of the playoffs heading into this year. Give me the, I don't know if sales pitch is the right word, but Give me a reason to believe that this devil's team is capable of taking a step and becoming a legit cup contender.
4: Uh, Well, they got that much deeper, right? They acquired Tyler to Foley. Uh, looks like Alexander Holtz might be a lock to make the lineup this year. He hasn't left that side of Timo Meyer, Nico. Heesher. Um, they're gelling pretty, pretty well right now. So, um, you know, the addition of one of their top prospects playing as well as he is um, and the addition of Tyler to uh, via trade uh, I, th- I think that the forward group has become even better than last season if you could believe it so um, pretty pretty deep there in uh, as far as the depth chart with the forward group
3: yeah no doubt James really liked the forward group I think one of you know I have a couple questions about their goaltending and and their defense core what do you make of the spot that they're in from a goaltending perspective it was pretty clear and obvious at the end of last year that Mackenzie Blackwood wouldn't be back, that they'd be relying on Vanacek. And then in the playoffs, Schmeed kind of stole the show. But is that maybe one thing that holds this Devils team back from being a true cup contender is the goaltending?
4: Yeah, I I think that's right. You know, my my thought process on this was if they were going to let two guys like Ryan Graves and Damon Severson go, then the goaltending was going to have to be better. Um, that ended up not happening. You know, Luke Hughes is, is sliding in. Kevin Ball is sliding in. And we can talk about those defensemen. Um, but Akira Schmid and Vitek Vanacek is who they're rolling with. Now, I do believe that the organization believes in both of those goaltenders. Um, Vanacek was vocal about having um, a different summer and as far as training his mentality. Um, stuck with the, the same physical type training that he always goes with. But, you know. Um, his mentality coming into this season is a lot different. You know, he's staying off social media, not really talking uh, to too many people about, you know, his performance and just trying to leave it game by game for for himself. So, um, and, and Akira Schmid, you know, he comes in, um, you know, off of a season last year where he kind of put himself on the map. Not many people expected him to do that. Um, but, you know, at some point they did expect, this from Schmid maybe just not as quickly so I do think that the organization believes that Schmid will eventually be the number one um, and you know they're hoping that he could take another step forward this year so if there is something about this team um, that's going to set them back it is the goaltending um, but I think it has a lot to do with the partnership with the defense.
3: What do you make of Timo Meyer, the devil's highest paid forward arrived last year with tons of hype and expectations but really was kind of underwhelming during the entire tenure and especially in the playoffs. Like he just wasn't a factor for New Jersey nearly as much as they would have hoped. I know he changed the number, but what are the expectations for this year for Meyer in terms of bouncing back?
4: Yeah. Well, with a number change, I think he's going for the rocket Richard now, but um, no, I I do think that it was a a difficult time with him adjusting to the new system. He did admit, you know, coming in, it was a different system than he was used to in San Jose. You know, a lot of, a lot of players that come into New Jersey say it takes a little bit of time to adjust to the system that Lindy Ruff has uh, rolling out on the ice every night. So um, I think with a full season, uh, I'm sorry, full preseason and a full training camp under his belt with New Jersey. I think that he'll be that much more acclimated. He looks like he's building some really good chemistry with Alexander Holtz, uh, a couple primary assists on some really nice feeds for, for Holtz goals um, so far this preseason. And, you know, he's played with Nico Hescher before. He's shown that chemistry before. Um, I think he's in for a big season. He, I don't think he's ever played with an offense like this. So um, a bit underwhelming last season, admittedly. But I think this year is is much different in terms of his preparedness.
0: Got two more names I want to pick your brain about here, James, before we let you go. The first one is Luke Hughes, who's going to be on the NHL club. And I guess early in training camp here as you've kind of watched him, do you think he's capable of having an Adam Fox or Kale McCarr like jump to the NHL? And the other name is another high pick on the blue line. That's Simon Nemich. What are the expectations for him this year as well?
4: Yeah, Luke Hughes has come into camp uh, a little slow just because he started with something that was ailing him. They haven't really told us what that is yet, Um, but they slowly acclimated him back into play. Um, He didn't get into the first few preseason games. And then when he did, um, I thought he's looked just okay. I think that uh, as the season gets underway and as he gets going, he'll look a little bit better. You do see some of those um, Jack Hughes esque uh things from luke on the blue line however you know he he does like to walk the blue line and he does it really well um he has made a couple of plays where you know you look at skating and you say wow he he really you know was able to to adjust and and get around the um a defender so um i do think he is you know maybe a there's there's such a race for the calder trophy this year but he is he's a sleeper candidate or a dark horse for that trophy um you know, I, I think the the organization expects him to slide right in and step into the shoes of Damon Severson, who left for Columbus. Um, that is the expectation Fitzgerald has said. That's the expectation that Ruff has said. Uh, they do want him to replicate um, and believe at some point he could be better than Damon Severson. Uh, as for Simone Nemich, I'm curious to see how that deployment's going to go. I know he skated with the game group yesterday. Um, it looked like a, a heavy uh, regular season lineup was uh, with, with the – Uh, on the the practice rink for today's uh, preseason game. Uh, He was out there again, so it looks like he's going to play tonight with a heavy uh, regular season lineup moving forward. However, I I do know that Lindy Ruff has reservations about having two rookies on the blue line. So uh, as far as expectations, I think that he'll get a handful of games. Maybe they will give him, you know, uh, uh, let him get his feet wet in the NHL. But I do expect the majority of his season to be in Utica just because I don't want, I don't think they want him in and out of the lineup. I think they want him playing every night. They're very excited about his development. Uh, they believe he's going to be, you know, a top pairing defenseman at some point. Uh, and they, they do think it's going to be sooner rather than later. But I do know as well, you know, Ruff has been hesitant to say we're comfortable with two rookies on the blue line, especially with, you know, Brendan Smith and Colin Miller still there. They They do believe that, you know, Uh, he he will need a little bit more time at the American Hockey League level.
0: Always appreciate, appreciate your insight, James. Enjoy the rest of training camp and enjoy the beginning of the regular season. We'll chat soon. Thanks, fellas. Have a good season. Moving along on daily face off live. Another big thank you to James Nichols from New Jersey hockey. Now for joining us, let's get to our inbox question. Two quick ones for you. here as we head towards the end of the show. Um, you did mention Patrick Kane and the Buffalo Sabres, but we got a question in here from, I believe it was hockey sense who wanted to know if it's not Buffalo, where else they said Detroit, Toronto got any other teams who'd be on that list of suitors for Kane.
3: I'd imagine any contending team that's in the mix will be making a pitch and play for Patrick Kane provided that he's willing to be pretty flexible in terms of contract uh, and, and AAV. If it truly is about for someone that's you know made north of $100 million in his career, if it truly is about contending and not about the money, well, then he's going to open himself up to really just about any contending team that's out there.
0: And I think I know the answer to this one, but it kind of ties into Kane, so I'll ask it. Barrow wants to know, is Jonathan Taves done or is he playing this year?
3: Uh, I don't have any indication yet that Jonathan Taves will be suiting up this year. So I think it's wait and see mode, but kind of a reminder too with Brandon Sutter calling it a career this week, another long COVID guy, as much as you try and ramp it up, you're just sometimes your body doesn't cooperate. That's what we saw with Taves last year, missing some time at the end of the year. I'm kind of leaning towards being surprised if he does end up playing, but we'll see.
0: Let's move on to our daily bets courtesy of botano.ca. Once again, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. A couple of prop bets, season long prop bets here, Frank. For the two teams we talked about today, I know you like juicy bets. That's why I threw in the top one. Listen, the Sabres to make the playoffs are like plus 100. It's even money. The Sabres over under for the year is not juicy. But, Frank, can the Buffalo Sabres be a 100-point team this year and improve by nine points? Is that worth taking the three-to-one juice?
3: Yes, I would. I mean, look, if Seattle can be a 100-point team last year, why can't the Buffalo Sabres be a 100-point team this year? I don't think the the usual, like, let's take a step back because 10, 15 years ago, having a 100-point team was a real thing for whatever reason the last number of years a lot of teams are hitting 100 points it's easier than it has been previously it feels like and the usual barrier to entry is 96 to the playoffs or 95 to be 5 points 6 points north of that not really a tough ask so at 3 to 1 i like that i like that juice yeah.
0: And I also, I'm, I'm really intrigued at this devil's line 108.5. They hit it relatively easy or easy last year, getting up to 112. I don't think their division is getting particularly more difficult this year. So I think the devil's over 108.5 should be a pretty safe play.
3: Yeah. And I don't think there's really many more exciting teams in the, in the league to watch than New Jersey, mm-hmm. the creativity, the speed with which they play devils are going to be a really fun team this year. And I would take the over
0: a comfortable Timo Meyer as well, settled into his new surroundings could be pretty dangerous for them. Let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time, Frank, and I'm going to give some stick taps to a guy who called it a career yesterday. Derek Stepan, the centerman, Um, his career took him to a lot of different cities and markets. He played for five teams, 890 games, came in under a 1,000, but played over 120 playoff games as well. A second round pick who... I mean, he was only a 20 goal scorer once, but was always just such an effective player. Stick taps to Derek Stepan on a good career.
3: Yeah, heart and soul guy, Derek Stepan. And now um, congratulations to him as well. Part time role with the Minnesota Wild. Carl Hagelin will be joining him there as well, according to Mike Russo. So um, certainly an interesting spot to stay in the game. One of those guys that was really, really well liked and a, definitely a fan favorite with the New York Rangers.
0: And that is a wrap on today's edition of Daily Face Off Live brought to you by Botano. A big shout out to James Nichols again and to everyone who was active in the YouTube chat. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button before you go. Tomorrow, it is the season debut of The Coaches Room with John Goins. You won't want to miss it. We'll chat with you again on Thursday.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.